the Sources and Sinks podcast. I'm Alok and I'm, I run product management at ShiftLeft and my today's guest is Chetan Konicki. He's the CTO of ShiftLeft. Chetan? Hey Alok, good evening. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. Chetan, so Chetan, how many folks used to work remote in our company a week back and how many additional have started working remote uh, once we announced that everybody needs to go remote because of this coronavirus situation. So prior to this challenging and trying times of COVID-19 that we are facing, uh, ShiftLeft as a company had two satellite offices. Uh, one was in Santa Clara, where we had approximately about seven to eight team members, and Berlin, where we had approximately 10 to 12 members. The rest of the team members, approximately again, nine to 10, have always been operating in a telecommute fashion, meaning they were remote. But given the trying and challenging times that we are facing at the moment, every one of us have gone remote. So uh, there's a lot of exchange of information happening over the past four days where some of us who are not used to working remote are asking and learning from those who have worked remote. So can can you, for the benefit of our audience, give us a sense of where all in the world we have those remote employees. Uh, I think you talked about Santa Clara and Berlin. Which all other geos uh, that you're talking about? Definitely. Uh, We have some employees who work in Argentina, Spain, New Zealand, Luxembourg, New York City. New York is also considered a remote site for us, given that we are our satellite HQ is based in um, Santa Clara in California and a few other places. And uh, just to touch on a critical topic of how we got or how we came about hiring these individuals, mm-hmm. I, I personally worked with some of them in the past or, or I used to work or follow their work uh, or use their work, given that some of them were contributing to various open source projects. And at different phases of my life, I used to consume some of them, follow them on Twitter, and we sort of built a relationship, uh, which essentially gave me the leverage to reach out to them and ask them. Uh, to join shift left in the early days. So you have been very comfortable to hire remote and that working culture actually became comfortable to the rest of all of us, right? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say I'm totally comfortable. I'm actually learning as we speak uh, because you know the notion of remote has different uh, perspectives to it. Uh, firstly, it's the work ethic. You know, given that in the past I used to contribute to Apache projects, uh, I somewhat built an ethic where uh, I either contributed patched projects, uh, which essentially didn't formulate to a certain cadence, uh, because you know typically open source contributors have a certain intrinsic discipline in the way they operate. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I understood and built somewhat of an understanding of how to operate with discipline remotely, but. Uh, I still work in an office setup and you and I are office colleagues. So what I'm missing the most is hallway chatter, uh, coffee breaks, our walks that we typically take, because then is when we typically share some of our ideas that germinate and become products. And that is something that I'm beginning to miss and learn how to adapt to in this new world. I can say likewise, although I have some other thoughts too, but we can talk about it offline. So... I have, uh, and I think it will benefit all of us. You are running engineering. If I ask you to 
kind of talk about your big learning and i'm in terms of remote working specifically from last two years and also what you have seen the change in last one week i think you just touched upon some of the things but maybe you can talk more about the remote culture what is the general learning that you have in last two and a half years so progressively we've learned how to do remote effectively and in the beginnings uh, we consulted with uh, various companies that have been practicing remote in a very efficient fashion companies like uh, sonatype gitlab have been operating in a remote mode very efficiently so in the beginnings we spoke to some of the executive leaders the engineers read some of the material and learned but that learning came with the cost because uh, often we want to tap into the collective intelligence uh, across the planet rather than focus on a concentrated area in our hiring sphere mm-hmm. because you know there are plenty of great engineers scattered all around, all around the planet but when it comes to hiring you don't want to formulate a bias and hire people only from a particular location so with that we expanded our scope uh, essentially found great engineers through their work because we watched some of these engineers create great projects on github then directly reached out to them and we were fortunate enough that they communicated or reciprocated back with us and came on board to join our family at shift left after they came on board the one thing that we learned gradually is how can we be sensitive to different time zones because often you know when we schedule meetings we forget that we have our fellow engineers who are operating in a different time zone so over time we become more sensitive to it because you know we committed mistake where you know often we had to keep them awake at late hours in the night or early hours in the morning in order to attend our meetings that we schedule mm. so that was our first mistake that we managed to correct by essentially polling the entire team and asking what is an amicable schedule for all of us to talk the second mistake is um hallway conversation you know like i mentioned earlier when some of us who are acquainted with office setups have this tendency of yelling over our shoulders starting debates and uh, you know essentially coming up with ideas and what gets left behind are our colleagues who are on in other parts of our continent who are not listening to our dialogue mm-hmm. so that was mistake number 2 where we made that fundamental shift of chatting and initiating dialogue on channels like slack so that everyone is listening everyone gets an opportunity to express their opinion and participate in our system mhm no i absolutely agree i think uh, this uh, has been an important aspect i'm glad that you touched upon that actually i can also share my perspective uh, from a product management perspective i think uh, i have chatted with you on this absolutely would love to hear your experience too because uh, you come from a different world which is product management and uh, product management works very closely with engineering so would love to hear your perspective because you know it's almost been a, over a year now that you've been a part of shift left so tell me more about how you know you have embraced this and what are the challenges that you faced actually um, good that you uh, think that i have just been a year uh, although i'm going to cloak two years now <laughs> but uh, i think from a product management perspective i have a slightly different feeling uh, i used to and i'm i will take around 10 years back when i was working at mcafee and 
I was working out of Bangalore and my engineering team was based in three different geographies. Uh, one was in Bangalore, one was in UK, Aylesbury, and third one was in Santa Clara. So that gave me a very founding perspective on how to work with remote teams. And then there were customers who were again part of different geos. I had somebody in Tokyo in Japan and one was in uh, Saudi Arabia, then few were in Spain, then we had in US. So for me, the word life was global and everybody was remote. And it was a lonely experience uh, to begin with. So for me, it was a different set of issues. For me, I was very comfortable with remote, but I had a need to go out and meet people uh, because sometimes uh, for me as a product manager, it was very important to sense uh, the emotional uh, experience on how a customer experiences my product or how an engineer is looking at my requirements. So while I'm comfortable with remote, I had the opposite need to meet people. And so I'm trying to kind of begin to miss that. And uh, I can talk more about that. But that was a kind of a quick flavor to that. You touched on a very critical aspect, which is uh, emotion. And let me, let me pontificate a bit on this aspect. Uh, you particularly spoke about your relationship with customers. Uh, because, you know, you're instrumental in building a product and customers experience what you build. And often as diligent product managers, uh, you have to sense their emotion. It's almost like virtually looking over their shoulder and sensing how they're experiencing your product. And likewise, you know, given that you mentioned that, uh, another thought triggered because engineers to engineers communication also follows the same modus operandi. Um, because, you know, often we, you know, with telecommuting, we resort to communication channels like Slack. And sometimes, you know, in we say certain things, but what does those words don't carry is emotion. Mm. And on the other side, someone else could interpret it as arrogance. Mm -hmm. So that's another degree of sensitivity we have to maintain with uh, telecommuters. Absolutely. And actually, uh, I will make a point here. For me, when I'm... And especially in a startup where you are not only uh, making a product, but you are looking to make errors quickly. And some of your errors are about how your customer is perceiving your product. You need to look at the timber of their voice or sense the timber of their voice. You have to sense the facial expression, how they are experiencing you. And when as a startup, they're not only experiencing your product, they are experiencing the way you come across as a company, the way for small, small things, small, small features or good things that we have implemented, did they get an aha moment, capture that emotion? So sometimes it's important for us to be there and watch them. And that is a challenge, I would say that. But if I have, what I have learned here, and I'm drawing upon that, that if I, when the things were good, I spend time with them, build relationship with any of the customers. I start to get sense from their voices when I chat to them in a remote setting that what it is that gives me the clue whether they are uh, liking what we have done or not liking we have done. Uh, so the relationship that were formed when I met them is something I carry when I am, have to work remote. Does it make sense? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, if I have to summarize and, and process what you said, uh, building an emotional bond with someone that you are communicating remotely is essential. Because uh, once you build that, that particular bond, which is important from an EQ perspective, then you begin to process and understand how they're either comprehending your product, your communication, your messaging, et cetera. A very good point. No, absolutely. I think you actually uh, talked about a great point about EQ. If you, dub, if you have empathy built into whether you deal with your fellow employees, engineers, or your customers, if you invest in this, then you can also work remote, but you still would be connected with them because you have developed a rhythm with them. And absolutely great point, Jay. Absolutely. So let's actually uh, talk about uh, some of the tools. Um, and this is kind of an important topic. If I were to ask you, and it's just purely from your experience, and you can also talk about your team's experience, which tool they prefer, which tool has made their life good and which you would like to recommend from a remote Absolutely. Mode. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking that because it's a very critical question and I'm going to add another dimension to your question because often we speak of the tools that worked, but let's also speak of the tools that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, let's start with the tools that work. Um, as we communicate with uh, telecommuters, it is critical to over-communicate. And uh, our only medium of communication is either a telephone or a WebEx channel or a, or a video conferencing channel like Zoom, WebEx, uh, you know, Google. Google has its live meetups as well. So these are channels where you can put a face to voice. It's almost akin to speaking to someone on the other side of the, the window, which is your monitor and also sense their emotions because that's very important. Mm-hmm. So the subtle point that I'm saying is when time to time, when you are actually scheduling video conferences, switch your camera on and look at each other and understand and empathize with the person on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is Slack. You know, Slack is critically important because this is where you know we literally are signing on as we come alive in the day at 9 a.m and shutting off when we switch off at about 6 p.m. or so in the evening. Um, This is also where it's two people communicating and several people listening. Mm -hmm. And listening aids someone to express their opinion as well, Mm -hmm. which is the inclusive notion of communication, which is very, very important. You said about how hallway conversation, these are the hallway conversations. Yeah, Exactly. It's almost akin to a hallway conversation where we are just not talking about work at times. You know, we also have a channel called as random where uh, we are just, uh, you know, talking about several other things in life, catching up about our families, what we are doing on a weekend, et cetera. So that's a very critical aspect where, you know, we speak of things associated with work and also not so much associated with work. I would mention that we talk a lot about food. Um, Absolutely. Given yeah. that you are a food critic and a food expert, you know, we learn so much from you. So that's the fun part. You know, we get to see other dimensions of individuals that are critically important. Absolutely. So let's go to something else. Uh, you, uh, but yeah. look, let me speak of things that didn't work. That's one critical aspect in this yes, whole go ahead. Often we begin to learn by reading material and books. And more so often, the first thing we do is read about the culture preset by some other company like Google and Facebook. 
And what I'd like to use as an example is OKRs and KPIs set by such companies as Google and Facebook. Now, these metrics are phenomenal. They are great instruments to essentially measure how an individual is performing. But remember that what we have to do from learning is first falter, understand that we faltered and then learn, rather than subscribe to some other instrument without going through that faltering exercise. So what I'd recommend to startups is when you start the company, don't just measure humans like robots with KPIs and OKRs. These are great instruments when you have very large teams and you need a process, a formal process to measure performance and peer reviews of individuals. Mm -hmm. But if you're a small team, such things don't work very effectively. Mm -hmm. Oh, got it. Yeah, understood. Actually, uh, while you were speaking about that, one thing actually I just wanted to add that works for a remote setting, and it's kind of very unusual for me to say that, it's actually WhatsApp. I can tell you that in last one year, that how much I have experienced successful moments when I saw customers starting to chat with me on WhatsApp. So that is my Maslow hierarchy of uh, satisfaction that first a customer, if he is completely formal with you, he will ch uh, chat with you on uh, email, then he will get you on a phone and then he may meet you. That's the third level. But in my experience, if the customer or anybody or your fellow employee comes on WhatsApp, it somehow has been for me the most uh, comfort level that any of these persons have achieved with me. I, I can't tell you why, but there is a high degree of probability of them being on WhatsApp with me, uh, whether employers or customers, and their uh, involvement with us and as a company. I just wanted to kind of say that. Absolutely. That's a trait that we all should learn from you. You know, it's very special, especially when a customer adds you to a very personal channel like WhatsApp. It goes to show that you've built a bond that can exceed and transcend the, the lifespan of a company. And, uh, you know, we all have to learn from you. Maybe you should do another podcast, uh, you know, following this, speaking about how to establish that relationship. Oh, that's a great idea. So let's uh, uh, pivot to something else. Uh, so you have been an investor in your past life and you continue to be that as a founder of uh, Shiftler. Uh, you were associated with Mayfield. So donning that hat of an investor, how do you think investing in startups? I mean, I just want to look into your mind that how do you look up a startup which is being very remote friendly, who believes that they want to work with that I'm sure different investors have different thought on that topic. Uh, just can you enlighten us on that? Definitely. Um, often when you don't that investor hat, um, you guide your decisions using data, not emotion and empathy as much. So investors often in the past have always expressed concerns with uh, all remote setup. And uh, the reason is data says that past successes have happened with companies that have created clusters within an in-office setup. Mm -hmm. And based on that data, often you make decisions. So when it comes to executive teams, um, investors often wonder whether key executives can effectively communicate uh, or very, very at high velocity and bandwidth in a remote setup. Mm. And uh, there are cases in the past that didn't work very well, which is why data guides not to invest in a company in certain cases, which is fairly remote. But I would say that that pieces has been debunked 
and uh, you know the and the reason is we have seen wide variety of companies that have originated or germinated from open source projects yes yes and founders of open source product projects are naturally um, you know acclimated to operate in remote setup they're very very efficient they have a work discipline and they're also good at creating a very large peering structure mm-hmm. where their fellow colleagues on the open source project are contributing with that equanimous amount of discipline and cadence so both so, of you both of us can actually uh, accredit github a lot for uh, helping us with uh, that kind of a culture won't you exactly i mean github is just a enabler to this culture and some of my friends who founded cloudera confluent and various other companies that are doing phenomenally well have a fairly distributed setup and and this thesis is completely debunked so i'm very excited about the future so uh, actually we have covered a lot of ground so i will ask you maybe this is my last question and actually this is two parts and i will also try to answer in my own sense but let's start with you what do you think uh, at this point of time the impact on families of employees so we know there are few of our employees who have been working remote from so many geos but there are some who have just right now stepped up into that and their families including yours and mine's are kind of making those adjustments uh, so what have you seen what are the quick things that you are beginning to see here i can actually share my personal experience and i'd love to hear yours as well after i do um you know over the past one week i have derived a greater degree of respect for telecommuting employees for the mere reason that um when you work in a remote setup you don't have to wake up in the morning and uh, you know take a bath change your clothes drive to your workplace you almost have to shift from one room to the other and don your working hat and immediately get productive and hmm. remember when you're working from home you sometimes have to run interference with uh, you know your younger children who are running around you know i have a 4 year old myself and over the past 4 or 5 days i have to figure out ways to keep him occupied and at the mm-hmm. same time maintain the necessary discipline absolutely and uh, thirdly you know what we as telecommuters do is invade the sacred space of our spouses our partners um, who are actually living with us um sometimes they need their space and often we are actually asking from them uh to take away some part of that space so that we can work with that necessary degree of uh, of silence and discipline so uh it's an ode to our partners in our in our lives uh because you know it's a very important sacrifice that they make for us and at the same time you know i have a very high degree of respect because you know for those that do it constantly it takes a lot uh to plan prepare schedule um so we have to learn as humans from them uh, ah, i'd love to hear your opinion too alok oh yes uh, so actually uh, i have couple of uh, things to talk about on this one i will talk uh, about uh, one of uh, our junior employees i'm not going to name him or her in this podcast but uh, uh, that individual told me that uh, working from home is a unique challenge because he she never actually established that setup at home the person also had very young kids and uh, he should never gave a thought ever that uh, they would have to work from home both 
husband and wife are actually working are, are basically working and both have to work now from home and their home space is not designed for two people to work uh, concurrently so it's kind of a thing that uh, i developed an empathy for that not everybody just can start to do telecommute commuting as you just said uh, from but from a personal experience uh, me and my wife uh, have worked remote and i actually learned from my wife because she is someone who actually loves to work remote and she has uh, she's a very efficient worker and one of the things she tells me that uh, when you are working remote you need to take care of your health you need to find time to take a walk to go out uh, and do something from a health perspective ensure that your food still has a timer table when you are on office you sometimes have lunches breakfast dinners they are all kind of scheduled because you have to work with others when you are solo sometimes you may be just in the meetings and eating and nobody is watching you and you just can uh, become very unhealthy very quickly uh, so i actually have uh, uh, this is something which is uh, i'm learning from a personal perspective uh, from a gender perspective i do believe that uh, uh, female employees are generally do better uh, from a, a remote work culture it just there in their some sort uh, they have been trained from a mindset perspective to multitask and from a home perspective uh, they just quickly set up uh, their work life and family life uh, to, together pretty quickly uh, so that's i mean that's what i've just learned in few days and i'm sure i would have more learning uh, i i can't agree more um, you know very good points i mean two of those critical points that you laid out one is taking care of our health knowing when to take a pause define your uh, you know your heads down interval where you take a walk come back clear your head space that is very very important in a remote culture it's something that i've been steadily learning over the past few days and the other point that you spoke of is uh, you know i've personally learned a lot from my mother and my wife and i feel they are naturally tuned to multitask and and they are the best leaders that we can actually observe and learn from so very good point that you raised okay so i think we uh, covered a lot of ground so uh, thank you chetan for uh, joining this and uh, this is the start of a podcast journey and i'm sure uh, this was actually became a very interesting topic uh, to kick start the journey and i'm sure we are going to get more technical as we go along so thank you uh, to our audience uh, who have been listening to this from both me and chetan thank you thank you alok great uh, podcast look forward to more Thank you. Bye.